0: our next edition of the Dan Siegel Show, hosted by yours truly, Dan Siegel ACC content. Today, as usual, we will be joined by two guests. Our first one will be Brian Ives from the ACC Network, where we'll talk ACC tournament stuff, make our predictions, maybe some dark horses, maybe some super dark horses, and discuss the bracket a little bit. And then after that, we will be joined by Simon Gersberg of Shot Quality if you guys know about that, it is a tremendous model which uses the where you're shooting, who's shooting the shot, and what location he's shooting from the floor, how tightly he's being guarded, just factors like that to determine what the outcome of games should be instead of the luck factor that goes into what the games actually are. I'm sure Simon will explain it much better than I just did, but he has a great model, and we'll talk about what his model says about the ACC tournament, the ACC, and going into March Madness, things like that. But before we get to that, first, as usual, let's get into our top five ACC storylines of this past week, starting with number five. The NFL Combine was this past weekend, and I'm not big into the combine measures as measuring how great players are going to be in the NFL, but they definitely matter in terms of giraffe stock. The ACC players that stood out most to me were first off, Zion Johnson, the Boston College offensive lineman, led the way with 32 bench presses, one of the top board jumpers as well. Jelani Woods, the UVA tight end, had the second fastest. 40-yard dash time despite being his big 6'7", 275 frame. He also led the tight ends with 24 bench reps. So he's a guy that could be rising up draft boards, Jelani Woods for UVA. And then how about Amari Barno for Virginia Tech? Fastest time for a 40-yard dash for a defensive lineman since 2003, 4.36 on the 40-yard. They're building edge rushers different these days. Amari Barno is a super intriguing prospect out of Virginia Tech. Moving on to number four. In this ACC tournament, Alondis Williams is on history watch. In ACC history, there have been no players to lead the conference in both points and assists. Well, Alondis Williams from Wake was doing it for a vast majority of the season. Last Saturday, Buddy Beheim's 30-point performance put him one point, not one point per game, one total point over the top. So, Alondis Williams is now one point behind, but this continues into the ACC tournament. So, they could be playing for um, Alondis Williams' Williams's record in order to get them be the first player to lead the conference in both points and assists obviously they're playing for a lot more wake forest that is but 19.3 points 5.3 assists you guys might be listening to this after the acc awards are announced but i really hope it goes to alonis williams the acc player of the year now we move on to number three This past weekend, Miami mounted an incredible comeback. They were down 18 points at some point. They were down 10 with 229 points, with 229 left in the second half against Syracuse. At that point, they had a 1.5% win probability. But Jordan Miller for Miami would not let them down. Had 25 points total in this game, final 6 points of their comeback also 13 rebounds, and a huge win for Miami because they started that day on the T-rank 10 line and perhaps a bad loss to Syracuse, probably quad three, maybe quad two on the road, but I'm guessing it would be quad three with their losing record. And if they lost that game, that could have dropped them to the bubble. But big win for Miami heading into the tournament. They probably clinched. We'll talk about that a little bit later with Brian Ives. Here's number 2. NC State wins the women's basketball ACC championship. They took down Miami on this Sunday by a score of 60 to 47 was a well-played defensive game. Uh, Alyssa Cunane led the way with 17 and 8 despite being injured for a large portion of the second half and that is an ACC 3 peat for nc state maryland did it in the 1980s duke did it from 2000 to 2004 that's a five feet actually notre dame did it from 2014 to 2017 and now we've got nc state doing it from 2020 to 2022 making history are the nc state woman and our final top storyline of this past weekend here's number one UNC spoils Coach K's final regular season game in Cameron with an L. They hyped up this Coach K retirement tour all year. UNC, what could they have better done than to win that game and also in the process pretty much clinch an NCAA tournament spot? It was an incredible, fast-paced, typical UNC versus Duke basketball game, which in my opinion is the best rivalry in not just college sports, all of sports. And it had an old-school element as well with the Mark Williams versus Armando Baycott matchup on the interior. UNC, though, four players over 20 points. Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, RJ Davis, and Brady Manick. Six total scores was all, but because they had four of them over 20 points, they had 94 points total Brian Ives, who I'm going to get on in a sec, said this was the biggest regular season win for UNC in their history. They clinched an NCAA tournament spot, I believe, in the process. And Coach K, of course, he had his ceremony after this game because it was his final game in Cameron Indoor, and it capped off an incredible, incredible career decades long at Duke. But... It was kind of awkward because of that loss. You could tell the crowd was deflated. Coach K was deflated. There were some awkward moments in the beginning of that. And UNC is the one smiling at the end of the night. So that is it for the top five storylines of the week. We are progressing into ACC tournament season. We will get to selection Sunday before the next recording so we'll talk a little bit about that as well and the implications of the ACC tournament on that and then next episode we will obviously talk about the bracket and stuff but to do all that let's get Brian Ives from ACC Network onto the show. So we are now joined by Brian Ives from the ACC Network Brian, we're going to talk mostly ACC tournament stuff today, as that's what's most relevant. But before we get to that, I just because I've seen you tweet a lot of cool stats and stuff about this. That Duke versus UNC game last night, UNC spoiling Coach K's retirement ceremony and all that stuff, and his final game at Cameron Indoor. I mean,
1: how about that? Yeah, that was um, one of the crazier, you know, in terms of buildups of a game, a regular season game that I can remember. Um, you think about all of the legendary coaches across sports and not a lot of them really announced their retirement so early. So like you didn't get John Wood announced his retirement during the final four and he retired after winning the championship. Um, obviously Dean Smith and Roy Williams announced their retirement after the seasons. Um even in other sports, you know, you look at a um a Vince Lombardi wasn't really like didn't have a full season, those type coaches, um, or some of them just gonna like put her out, you know, your Bob Knight's type. Um, so it was just is it so it's such a unique situation with Coach K, and that's been building for a year. And this Carolina team, which all year hadn't looked like they're even capable of doing something like this against a team of that quality, just out of nowhere, man. Um, I think they I, – I mean, I'm, I, I would guess they used a lot of this week as motivation um, that, oh, yeah, there's another team coming to play in this game. Um, but, you know, that's this rivalry. Like, um, there's a great stat that UNC's led by double digits at Cameron now in 12 of the last 17 games they've played there. So I don't care how good or bad UNC is, they play well at Duke. They don't always finish it out, but those games are – are tough and um, they really impressed me, especially in the second half. Um, their ability to make shots. Duke might have gotten tight. I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure for 18-, 19 year nineteen-year-old kids with all those people watching. Um, but um, but I don't think that's an excuse. I don't think I take Carolina won that game in my opinion. Yeah, and like I said,
0: UNC the ones ending up smiling at the end of the night. All right, so we move on to the ACC tournament. Just for you guys listening for reference, quickly the seeds are the top four go Duke, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Miami. Five through nine, who will get the single bye, go Wake Forest, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Syracuse. And the final six, 10 through 15, go Clemson, Louisville, Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina State. So... What would be your ACC championship prediction? I personally have a UNC versus Duke rematch, actually. I thought about Virginia Tech, but I think – because I think they could be a team, just the style that they play. They could beat teams that they're they're not as good as. But I think playing that extra day, four games in four days, that's tough. So I think UNC – Goes from the bottom part of the bracket, Duke from the top part, and I think Duke wins the third matchup and the deciding matchup, I guess, of the yearly series. Yeah. But how about you? Yeah, I'm guessing that's
1: what most casual viewers would <laughs> like, would like to see. You know, people that don't have a team or rooting interest in this for sure. Um, I don't. I do think Duke will not have an issue getting to the championship game. Um, Florida State's actually playing a little bit better. Who they could face in the second round. And they're lucky if it's Syracuse, that'll be a noon game rather than a night game. So you get night in Brooklyn, you know, that's usually Duke has the crowd, but Syracuse would have the crowd advantage in a night game in Brooklyn. But I just Syracuse, I, I, I think Florida State's pretty well, but I don't think Duke's going to have much of a problem getting the championship game, to be quite honest. Um, I think they're about to go pretty scorched earth on this field. This is, this is coat, the ACC tournament is Coach K. He he wins this thing. He's won it 15 times, I believe. Two more than Dean Smith. Um, this is what this is what he does. Um, so I think they're gonna. I mean, I, if you made me pick a winner, I think they're gonna win. Um, I like that Virginia Tech pick a lot, um, but that game against Clemson earlier this week just. I mean, they were nine and one. Like they were looking so great, and then just that game at Clemson, they just lost. Like. If that hadn't happened, I think I would with you on on Virginia Tech. But um, to me, I, I just see Notre Dame or North Carolina. You know, I don't know which one. Um, it really depends on who's going to make shots. If Notre Dame makes shots, they're going to win. Um, it's pretty it's pretty simple with them. Um, but to be quite honest, if you maybe pick a winner, um, Duke would be my. Uh, don't I think think most like Ken Palm BPI type things have Duke about fifty percent to win this tournament. So Duke fifty percent. So it's a Duke in the field kind of question.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Actually, I want to put that question out. Do you think if you were to have even one-to-one odds, would you pick Duke
1: or would you pick the field? Yeah, I mean, it's almost foolish not to pick the field, you know, because you have 14 teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're only two games away from the championship game and they shouldn't have any issues with their first game. So, like, I don't know. Uh Hart would say just pick Duke, like in terms of like they're gonna win. Head would say, Come on, you have fourteen other teams to same odds. But um I'd probably I, I think Duke's gonna win the ACC tournament if I had to pick. And you mentioned something interesting about Virginia
0: Tech, how they had just had that Clemson game. And the funny thing is, well, in the tournament mm-hmm. Clemson, let's say they beat NC State in the first round. Well, they're slated to play Virginia Tech in the second <coughs> round of the tournament. And Clemson's a team I think they're better than their record says they are. PJ, totally Hall, totally PJ, PJ Hall is good. They the team can defend. I think David Collins is a very underrated defender. And Virginia Tech as much as they could beat teams that they're not as good as because of their the high variance style that they play with all the three-point shots that they shoot. They could also lose to teams that they have no business losing to and we've seen that. Not only losing to teams like Clemson, but also the fact that they have what twelve losses on the season. So, honestly, I could, I could very easily see Clemson going to that third round and playing Notre Dame.
1: What do you think about that? I could, I I mean, I agree. I could see that. Um, I think, and Clemson also has Hunter Tyson back now, who they were missing for a while. Um, So, I could see that. I do think Virginia Tech is going to have to play with an absolute – not saying they weren't against at Clemson the other night, but an absolute sense of desperation, if whoever they're playing, Clemson or NC State. Because quite frankly, if you lose, you're not making an late tournament. So they have – like, it's, it's a pure desperation game for Virginia Tech. Um, so you would expect them to come out and beat a team, especially if they just lost to that team. Um, but like you said, like, if Virginia Tech shots aren't going in, like if they're if they're shooting rather than getting the ball to um, down low to Aluma and Mutz, which I think is actually more their strength than shooting. Um, or to, I, I think they rely a little too much on shooting rather than getting the ball to those two because they are great players. Um, they could be beat. And Clemson has a great big man, and they have they have guards that will guard you. And that's been Virginia Tech's problem: is their backcourt sometimes struggles against more athletic, more physically gifted guards. We saw that in both North Carolina games when Caleb Love sort of had his way with Storm Murphy. Um and so you know Clemson has those physical guards but the desperation of Virginia Tech you have to you know you have to you would think they would come out with that desire to win we have to win this is essentially a tournament game season tournament game. So um that'd be a great game. I think that'd be the the highlight of the possible Wednesday slate for sure.
0: Brian, there are two teams that I don't think we've discussed yet that I view as kind of dark horses for go making a run in the ACC tournament. The first one is Virginia, and probably the primary reason for that is I just feel like with this Tony Bennett team, with any Tony Bennett team, they have to find some way to get into the tournament because I, I just don't see a universe in which it doesn't happen. Maybe until it actually happens, I won't actually be able to wrap my head around that possibility but the second one, maybe a more intuitive pick, would be Florida State, because they've proven they could beat anybody. They've beaten Duke before. Obviously, you know the storyline with Florida State. They've had so much injuries and that has prevented their depth and their playing six through ten, six through eleven from being able to take place the classic Leonard Hamilton style. Well, they do have players slowly coming back. Mm-hmm. I think Florida State could be a dark horse to they're not. There's zero chance they get that large bid, but to get that automatic bid somehow by winning four games in this tournament.
1: Yeah, I mean they have Caleb Mills. I mean, I think he he played for the first time about five or six games against and the went over NC State. Anthony Polite came back earlier this week. Um, so, like, yeah, they're getting they they're they're getting healthy. Um, I think. I mean, they. I have. Obviously, could see them beating Syracuse, but in the second game is just a matchup. I mean, it's just you know, this that would that would be what prevents them from making a run. Is it the fact that you played Duke in the second game? Um, I know they beat Duke um, certainly, but that was at Florida State. Um, and it, you know, could they? Sure, but um, I just think a second round matchup would would make it difficult for uh, for, for Florida State. As for Virginia, I totally agree. Um, Speaking of Florida State, they're kicking them. That that game could would crush a lesser team in terms of like moving forward is how they lost on the buzzer at the buzzer to Florida State. But they, even with that, they've been playing well. Um, they like I I'm pretty sure most people thought Duke after losing to Virginia would go back up to Charlottesville and just handle them because you know you know we beat you you know we're not going to put up with that again we'll take you down. But Kike Clark making all those threes. Virginia was right in at the end and you could hear, I don't know if you heard coach K after that game talking about Tony Bennett. He reveres Tony. He like, this guy is an incredible coach. Like like all coaches I like, go oh, credit to the other coach credit to their team. He was effusive in his praise for Tony Bennett saying like, this guy's one of the best in the country. And he is. Um, Jaden Gardner has probably played himself on a, some sort of all ACC team for sure. Um, great player uh hey Clark if you have a point guard who's been in much bigger games than any game he's going to play this week um that always helps um and so yeah I think Virginia's is certainly a team that can make a run they've had out I mean North Carolina handled them this year if they do advance but traditionally Virginia and Tony Bennett have handled North Carolina more than any other team in this league they've they've had more success against the Tar Heels since Tony Bennett got here than any other team against the Tar Heels so um while it's not a traditional Virginia team um I'm sure Virginia wouldn't hate that matchup um, in terms of getting that big win and possibly sneaking into the, sort of the Dayton early rounds of the NCAA tournament.
0: So the last thing I wanted to ask you is what the implications of the tournament results would be on the actual bubble because Virginia Tech, we talked about them, they're probably on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Mm-hmm. But Miami, Wake Forest, and Notre Dame would probably be in. But let's say any of those teams lose in the first game. Especially Wake, who would be mm. who are they slotted with? They're slotted with Pitt or Boston yeah.
1: College. Yeah, Wake, Wake is a team. Wake uh, before you can do. Wake is a team you cannot lose. I don't care. You can't lose that because it's Pitt or BC. You simply can't lose that game. Like, okay. Uh, Miami and Notre Dame are lucky enough where they're going to play a decent team, most likely in their first game. Um, probably a quad one uh, loss if they lost it. Wake is the team that cannot afford to lose in this tournament. So you think Notre Dame
0: could, they could lose and still they'll still be pretty safe to get in? Assuming it's
1: Virginia Tech, like let's say NC State or Clemson make a run, then you probably don't want to lose to them. Okay. But if Virginia Tech, they're thirty something in net, you know that'd be a quad one loss. I don't think. I mean, I don't think that's enough to knock you out unless you have enough all these upsets, you know, around the other around the country and there's bid stealers. Um, now you might be a little nervous on selection Sunday, but I think Notre Dame would be fine. Um, Miami a little. Miami may be a little less so if they lose to Wake. But the thing Miami has, they have four quad one wins. Yeah. Like, that. I mean, their metrics aren't it's, I, the, the net, all that stuff, is what it is. You know, you can we can complain about it and all that, but that's how they're picking teams. So they have four quad one wins, which Duke has five, I think, most in ACC. And I think no one else has more than two. Like, UNC might have three tomorrow after Michigan, or three on Monday, excuse me, after Michigan won today. But you know, four quad one wins from the ACC should be okay. Um, but I, I'd feel much more comfortable as Notre Dame, but I think both teams are fine. I think Wake Forest is a team that absolutely cannot lose their first game in the ACC tournament. No questions mm-hmm. asked.
0: Totally agree. All right, Brian, thank you so much for coming on before you head off. Is there anything else that you've got for us? Where can we check you out on Twitter? What's your handle again?
1: Yeah. Uh, Brian Ives, I V E S handle at a way to worthy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I will, I'm looking forward to the tournament. I'll send out some stats and nuggets, you know, as games move along. Um, going up on a Tuesday in Brooklyn, yeah. slate will be, I mean, you know, basketball's fun. You know, you, it might be a 10 versus 15 seed, but you know, it could, could be a crazy ending, crazy buzzer beater. You know, if you told me one year ago that Georgia Tech was going to the ACC tournament, I would have called you crazy, but they went and won the ACC tournament. So um Maybe something crazy happens this
0: year. We'll see. Yeah, you're right. Crazier things have happened. But, uh, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. This has been Brian Ives from the ACC Network. Uh, Thank you so much. So, as usual, great stuff right there. And I do agree, while Duke is the heavy, heavy favorite to go win the ACC tournament, I think anybody outside of Duke, one through seven or eight, could probably make a run and, if it weren't to be Duke, be the dark horse to win the tournament. Because outside of Duke, like we've said all year, it's very up for grabs, who is the second best team in the conference. So we will have Simon Gersberg on in just a sec. But before we get to that, here is our sponsor of the day, and that is the Pipeline Discord. Come join our growing community of college football and basketball fans where we talk games, news, recruiting, predictions, and much, much more. We have something really fun brewing for March Madness, so be sure to check that out as well. And also be sure to stop by our betting channel where you could, and while you're there, maybe pick up a hot betting tip. That's the Pipeline Discord. Link is in the description. Alright, thank you to our sponsor. Now, here comes Simon Gersberg of Shot Quality. All right, so our second and final guest of the day is Simon Gersberg, the founder and creator of the Shot Quality model. Simon, thank you so much for joining the show. How are you doing?
2: I appreciate that. Thanks,
0: man. Um, So. You know, I tried to briefly explain in the beginning of the show your shot quality model and how it works, but I think it's probably best to just have you do it. So could you give me the quick one-minute rundown and all of the audience who might not know as much, just the one-minute rundown of how it all works?
2: Absolutely. So the way shot quality works is it uses the individual numbers on each guy uh, to come up with a percent chance each shot has it going in. So, for example, when... Uh, Buddy Bayheim takes a pull-up short midrange, That's going to be a much better quality shot than when I take a, a pull-up short mid-range. Um, so the way the algorithm works, it uses over 90 different variables that are, like I mentioned, individualized. I just want to keep harping on next. It's so important for each player in college basketball because obviously players have different skills, efficiencies, and defic- deficiencies.
0: And as far as your model goes, how did you see the ACC Player of the Year hierarchy going? Because... The consensus is that it's either Alondis Williams, who I think it is, Alondis Williams from Wake, yeah. either him Armando yeah. Baycott from UNC, maybe Palo Bancaro from Duke. So those are the, the consensus top three players in the ACC. Talk to me a little bit about
2: them. Uh, Alondis is my favorite. This is not a shot quality take. This is a narrative take um, because just like the amount of minutes he played la- the last two seasons – And then (laughs) coming to Wake Forest, like nobody saw this coming, becoming ACC player of the year when he transferred. Like, I think it's like one of the most shocking, like probably like ACC player of the year candidates in like years. Uh, So, like, from a narrative perspective, I think him as well. Um, And his shot quality is obviously insane. Incredible cutter in the 92nd percentile and quality shots off cuts, 91st in mid range. And this is the stat that usually is. Where they're like the guys that are good at this are the stars. Usually, is he's in the 87th percentile in efficiency creating his own shot. I remember uh, on the last time we got on the pod together, um, we talked about that sat with um, uh, Trey Murphy on UVA, uh, like as like a draft prospect because of that. Uh, that he was like way better, like way better creating his own shot than people expected. Uh, but yeah,
0: and a couple guys I feel like in the ACC that you know, probably did not perform to their shot quality expectation going into the year. In other words, they should be doing better, but just their percentages, their raw numbers are not as good. I'm thinking Armand Franklin, that's definitely an interesting case from UVA. He shot very well at Indiana, transferred to UVA, and he just has not been shooting well from three-point range. I don't even know if he's at 30% this year, and he was at over 40% last year. So talk to me a little bit about the fascinating case of Armand Franklin from
2: UVA. Here's the problem with him. I think his, so he did take 85 threes last year, um, but his freshman season took 64 and shot the same percentage he's shooting this year. So I think, if anything, his second year at Indiana was actually him playing over his head, and then this year, coming back to Earth, he's definitely, like, between these. It's kind of funny, his career three-point numbers. It's gone from 26 first year at Indiana to 42 his second year. 85 threes is, like, a pretty big sample. And then 153s this year, 27%. I actually remember talking – I had a couple conversations with the UVA staff um, because I think when I went through, like, their shot quality with them, um, I was, like, talking to them. how like, this is one of the worst shots they get. Because, like, even though he shot so well last year, actually, like – predicting his future, that terrible freshman year shooting performance just really, really hurts him from that shot quality perspective. So even though he's playing so much worse, it's actually like definitely closer to what his expected number should be than that 42 number at least.
0: By the way, which ACC teams do you have signed up for shot quality, just out of curiosity? Zero.
2: Zero. I don't Zero. have one team in the ACC currently. Like, yeah, wow. Unfortunately. We the... unfortunately. This is why oh, actually, so- sorry. Sorry. Pitt. Pit Pitt. Pit, pit, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay this is why we are the worst conference in college basketball no i'm kidding but hopefully some more teams sign up it's, it's great stuff all right so we're looking at shot quality i'm looking at like some of the offensive and defensive scores and kind of comparing them to like maybe their point per game numbers so in other words trying to determine which teams are getting lucky which teams are getting unlucky which is more important which is more indicative maybe is it offense or defense because. I look at defense and I look at a team like Virginia tech who based on every single shot category has gotten unlucky this year, according to your model. Do you think that is a sign of anything, a sign that they can maybe make a run and be dangerous in the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament if they get there?
2: Yeah. The model loves Virginia tech last year too. It just loves the quality possessions they get. They just get such good threes and they take so many of them. They're taking really good shots just as a team i think yeah they get the 34th most cuts in the country second most in the acc they play in the half court because it's a really good half court offense uh right now we have them as the 16th best team in the country and basically tied with duke on the tops of the acc uh which i know isn't like and even in conference but they've actually outplayed duke from a shot quality perspective and specifically going on uh their defensive metrics um Yeah, so teams are shooting right now uh, from mid range against them uh, 41%, which is a little higher than expected. It's supposed to be 38, which doesn't seem like a significant amount, but a team that forces a lot of mid range like they do, it is. um, It's like 15% of the shots allowed. Uh, And you can see also in post ups, 8% difference. So their teams are shooting. 37% 37% on list and expected to shoot 28. That's just like jump hooks specifically, not just shots around there. I know I'm getting a little number crazy right now. Uh, but, yeah, short answer, they all are uh, really, really dangerous. I think probably, like, the best team in ACC, uh, maybe them and Duke are just, like, one and two.
0: Interesting. And do you think it's just, the uh, like, Heve Luma and the three-point? Like, do you think they just have, like, basically a really modern – Style of offense that really works for them, and maybe you know, in the coming years, you bet on Virginia Tech to be a team that improves because of this.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I really, really do like Mike Young's offense, and he just got there like how many years? Like, two years? It's, he's got there pretty recently, right?
0: Yeah, this is I oh believe God, this wrong. is year three, maybe year four. Year but. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Virginia Tech is a very intriguing team. All the analytics have liked them all year, even when they were like two and six in conference or something. The analytics, all of them, not just yours, they were all saying well, they're due for improvement. And they did. Hopefully they're able to get in the tournament because I think they could be a team that could get to the second weekend. But
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and they had one of the most brutal losses last year. That was pretty bothering for me because I remember my bracket had them like, beating Florida by, like, five. It was, like, a pretty significant, like, shot quality, like, Florida a lot more than, I mean, like, Virginia Tech a lot more than Florida last year. And they hit that shot. Uh, the, That was a crazy end to that game, I remember. And then lost to no take. And I think they won the shot quality score in that game by, like, 20. It was something obscene. And I was so, that was so, because that's just maybe uh, March Madness got me so frustrated. <laughs>
0: Talk to me. Talk to the fans a little bit about what exactly the shot quality score is, because I'm not sure everybody who's listening to this is familiar with that. But you put it out every day, and it's really cool stuff.
2: Basically, uh, it adds up the sum total. So let's just say, for example, Buddy Beheim misses a wide open three. That is a 40 percent chance of going in. Uh, so from a shot quality perspective, that would be a one point two because it's. Uh, 0. 0.4 times 3 is 1.2. And it basically adds up the total quality of possessions for both teams and outputs basically, well, adjusting for offensive rebound rate too, um, then outputs the total score of the game based off the quality of possessions for both teams. If you go to the Stats Explained page on the website, you could go through all the variables. Um, but, yeah, and it's just it more indicative of performance than actual results because a basketball game is played in 40 minutes – there's 25 three-point shots shot by each team, and there's just so much variance in the game. So uh, that's why, obviously, going by the quality of shot result, it's going to be more predictive than the actual result would be uh, moving forward in the future.
0: That's actually the that exact reason was why I picked UNC to make it really close and perhaps beat Duke last night because the first meeting between UNC and Duke, Duke wins by 20 points, but what should have happened according to the shot quality Duke should have won 72 to 71, and that's almost a fifty wow. fifty chance. So that's why I looked at that. I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is gonna be a pushover game for UNC. That was one of the reasons I thought so. And obviously it turned out that UNC did end up winning the game. And you know, we talked about that in a lot of this show, so you don't have to keep harping on it, but definitely uh interesting thing to look at. Absolutely. Um another thing I saw. One of your contributors, Ben, released an article related to this, kind of the process of picking sleepers for March Madness, because I see on your page you could rank all the teams in terms of how good they are, like you could put together a hierarchy, one through 358 or however many there are, but obviously some teams have higher floors, some teams have higher ceilings to get to the number they are. So if we're picking our bracket, we're using shotquality.com, what are some of the metrics the specific metrics we want to look at to, to determine dark horse teams
2: very fascinating we're actually gonna have this feature um for march madness uh which should come out probably in like i mean obviously after selection sunday but we're like getting it ready now where you can pick your own metrics to create your own brackets like if you want to find the teams that have like the highest quality three-point shooters you could move the bar and then it'll output like the best three point to like Virginia Tech would obviously do well because great shooting team. Um in terms of individual metrics, I think the simple answer is just the adjusted net shot quality, which is like the difference between your offensive quality possessions to your defensive quality possessions. Uh so that's just right on the homepage. It's very some of the other metrics that I just find fascinating, um, in terms of picking teams, I feel like almost every year the winner of March Spence is always a great uh three point shooting team. I just feel like I don't remember if Texas Tech was when uh, when they lost um, to UVA in that crazy game, um, but yeah, I, I just feel like that's one stat that's just like so important for the winner of man is, Like every year, So it's always a good shooting team. Um, so the teams this year out from that perspective: Purdue, uh, Arizona is pretty good, um, Illinois is pretty good, um, Kansas is good. Auburn's not a great shooting team, surprisingly. Um, Iowa's pretty good. Um, So that's like the first thing that comes to my mind is just three-point shooting and quality of three-point shots, obviously.
0: And I feel like it might just be me and it might just be a narrative thing. But it's got to be a different game in March Madness with everything on the line and the fact that mid-majors are going to beat power conference teams much more often. I feel like the game is different in March Madness. Does shot quality have an explanation for this? What kind of factors are different? What maybe the formula for winning is different in March Madness versus the regular season?
2: I don't have any data to specifically back the up, just because we don't have that much years on March Madness. But it is a that's a really good article. I did. Maybe I should get bent on that. Uh, it's like the is play like different or certain um, team uh, metrics more important in March than? more games something of one of the coaches has mentioned me before uh one of the courage assistant coaches in the last five minutes of play you basically have to like scrap everything like it's just so much more isolations and uh you need a guy like you're just not going to get your same like open catch and shoot threes that like you're getting the first 35 minutes of the game and then a march madness game i feel like it would make sense that that would even be longer than just the last five minutes of the game because obviously people are just playing with more. Um, so, yeah, that would be something really interesting to look at, I think, for sure.
0: Yeah, I just feel like it's definitely just – there's there's more on the line. And sometimes – like in Division One basketball, you'd think that defensive intensity is a thing that everybody has. Everybody gives it their all every single possession. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I've noticed that that's – Clearly, not the case with certain teams in the country, but I feel like in March Madness, when Sorry. that that's not an issue at all, definitely everybody's giving it their all every possession, it means everything to them. So, I feel like the game is just a little bit different in that respect.
2: Agreed. Agreed.
0: But um, is there anything else you have before we let you off for the night? Anything, you know, intriguing things you have about the ACC or college basketball or anything?
2: Um, I'll just quote myself on this, I guess, now. Virginia Tech to win the ACC tournament. That's the, that, That's my team right now. That's my pick. That's my pick.
0: I love it. We were talking about that earlier with Brian Ives, our first guest of the day, and we both kind of liked Virginia Tech, but we thought we they wouldn't be a good value bet just because they're playing an extra day than the other Ooh. four teams with a double buy. But I like that a lot. I think that's a great value pick, to be honest. So, good Agreed. stuff. Good stuff there, Simon. Where can we find all your stuff on Twitter and your website and all the stuff you've been doing?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Just shot underscore quality on Twitter, uh, and then also for March Madness, uh, pretty soon. Well, we actually have already a promo deal uh, for like the rest of the conference tournaments, but on shotqualitybets.com, which uh, been doing really well this year. We actually have the spreadsheet out. It's currently fifty four percent. On spreads and totals on like a three thousand game sample, uh, like a lot of picks it's given out. Um, and um, we're gonna have some uh, promotion for March Madness um, and with some like early bird special this week. Uh, right now, the promo code is just CONPTORNY, all caps, um, and it's pretty much eighty five percent off, like what the normal price is, just because like it just goes to the last two weeks of tournament. But um, yeah, check it out on shot quality bets and shot quality.
0: Thank you very much, Simon, and hope to have you on again in the future. So always great to have Simon on and pick his brain a little bit. And that was the final segment for our show. So you have been listening to The Dan Siegel Show. Thank you for your continued support of our content here at Pipeline. Be sure to follow me at Content on Twitter and subscribe. Maybe even leave us a five-star review if you're feeling generous. But once again, this is Dan Siegel, signing off.